I'm just white and I want to save rap. We bought a wee 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 wee. I just want to save jazz. We bought a mic. We're saving jazz. Three white dudes. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Make one of us. That's pretty awesome. I love films and mostly white people. Who's Spike Lee? He's not white people. (laughs) (laughs) We bought a mic and we bought jazz music and we bought all of the white people. Uh, I don't. S- I don't see how that could have gone any better. Can, that went that a, okay? as well as possible. Is that is that, that capable? Welcome to uh, we bought a mic. We a, bought we bought alt right pop culture. We bought Breitbart podcast. <laughs> Losing hope in the culture part. Yeah, we bought a bright. Uh, I'm your host Ernest Calderon. I am also your host Hunter Mobley. Mm-hmm. And you know what they say: the third is the one with the hairy chest, Drew Dietzen. That's not true. You have the least hairy Hun- chest here. Hunter has Hunter, you have a crazy hairy chest. My hair is leaking onto the table. I'm actually <laughs> shedding right now. His hair is liquidous. I have fleas, guys. <laughs> and returning as a It's your roommate guest. Because no listening? one else was available. <laughs> Mr. Grant Shaw. How's it going, Grant? Oh, I'm chilling. The Welcome Paul to the F. Tompkins Thanks. of We Bought a Mic. Yeah, All the way from across the room. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Uh, so, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Mine was good. You? Um, mine was uh very filling. I always have a very busy time at Thanksgiving because uh you know that whole divorced parent life. So uh, I just eat a shit ton of food, and it was it was good. That feel when? Yeah. Well, um, me and uh, me and my dad hung out as the only two black people at a Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. It, was, it was pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. chill. It was great bonding. And time's up for but, non-pop culture stuff. But <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what I'm more interested <laughs> than Thanksgiving and fucking families and all that stupid shit is all the great Black what? Friday and Cyber yeah. Monday mm. hauls. Fuck, uh, like being thankful mm-hmm. and like and spending time with your family and loving yeah. each other. You know, it's as, all about American consumerism. You know what I'm thankful for? <laughs> Capitalism. Mm-hmm. Credit card. And as we all know, Friday starts at 6 p.m. on Thursday. Yep. <laughs> Every week. Did you guys get any good uh, Black Friday hauls? No. Oh, so you guys yeah. just want to hear what my Black Friday Yeah, how many was? fucking Blu-rays did you get? And do you like any of the movies you got? You and yes. Colin always do this thing where you get a bunch of movies actually, that you don't this is gonna like. Be okay, actually, because I was looking at a bunch of Blu-rays that I didn't want to get, but I considered buying them, like BVS, The Ultimate Cut, because it was only like $4, and I'm like, well, shit, I might as well get it. But I only bought movies I genuinely like and that I want to see. I might as well get it. It's not never a reason to get something. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly burn through these. Right. Um, so quick. So we're going to spend the next two hours on this. <laughs> I got Baby Driver. Okay. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Heard of mm. it. Absolute classic. Jim Carrey. The Jim Carrey. Or the animated. Yeah, uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, the yeah. Ron Howard Jr. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a Ron Howard film. It is a Ron Howard film, yeah. Um, Wonder Woman, for only $6. Brand wow. new Blu-ray, $6. The Matrix, Steelbook from Best Buy. Shout out to Best Buy. Please sponsor us and give me more Blu-ray. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Okay, good. War for the Planet of the Apes. Good. I'm proud of you. You did good. Just good you movies. wait. Oh, no. It's going to get <laughs> no, just he's, he's front-loading it. <laughs> the Big Sick. Okay, good. 
You haven't seen it. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it before the next podcast so we can discuss more. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Lego Batman movie. Absolutely. Haven't seen it. Is it good? It's good. Okay. It's good. It's I don't right. like it. I don't like it as much as the first Lego movie, but like it's still it's a good movie. I like it. Mm. It's fun. Good. Oh my god. Um, a Christmas Story. I mean, okay. classic. It's that time of the year. You got Christmas movies. Sure. All timer. Want a fucking BB gun? Uh, this is another one that I really wanted to see in theaters, but it was before Movie Pass, and I couldn't justify spending a movie god, ticket. I remember on it. before Movie Pass? <laughs> oh man, God, it's like pre MP. Like, uh, fucking, it was like the Jurassic Age. Yeah. Like I don't even remember it. Now we live in AMP. Um. Captain Underpants. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, the first shit. epic movie. I forgot that movie was even a thing. Yeah, Captain Underpants. He, he did front load the list. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. I actually okay, heard now that movie was mm. all right. Yeah, no, Captain I mean, Underpants, I, a dab pilky joint. Ed Helms. Like, how, it, it looks fun. It has like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because oh, that's how we evaluate movies. Yeah. Um, Logan. Okay, good. One of the best movies of the year. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. The, Can't go wrong. The claymation? With that. Yeah, the claymation. Nice. One. Classic. Jesus okay. Christ, how many fucking movies did you get? <laughs> All right, let's go. Come on. I still have an, I have another thirty. How many go. movies okay. do they have left? <laughs> <laughs> I bought them out. Yeah. It comes at night. Okay. Oh, nice. Um great movie. And Stranger Things season one, mm. which a Target exclusive, it comes I'll pass it around <laughs> as you can see. It comes in a sweet exclusive. comes in a sweet like VHS oh, case. Just so you know he's showing oh. us a stack of blues. Actually, yeah. yeah, Colin did show me it comes in this it's like it's a really VHS cool. case. It's really cool packaging. I wouldn't buy it if it wasn't for the cool packaging um, to be perfectly honest. This yeah, this segment right. transfers um, really well into our next segment, then, which is an intervention for Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and then one more thing, uh, <laughs> Cy- uh Cyber Monday deal or I guess it was Black Friday weekend deal that I got that's coming in the mail right now mm. and that is Brigsby Bear nice. it's Brigsby Bear that's what I'm talking about yeah. Oh, yeah that's some good shit dude and then uh, I got <laughs> Justice League I got and Wonder then... Woman part 5 okay um, BBS well, we had we had a nice two. we had a nice uh, Blu-ray hunting little trip there yeah, it was, you were, it was you a were good with time me. you were with me I, I can actually name the Blu-ray that I bought just off the top of my head <laughs> I got War for the Planet of the Apes, Mad Max Fury Road Black and Chrome Edition. Slow down. Logan, <laughs> which actually we all got a copy of Logan. Yeah. Uh, me, Hunter, and Colin, we all got Logan. It's a great movie. It was the one that we, that overlapped all our, our um, halls. And then I also picked up a Matrix Steel uh, book edition. Same one that I got. With, tight. Oh, yeah, with Philosopher <laughs> yeah. Commentary. Mm. Um, and then I also got uh, Gone Girl and... I think that was it for the movies. I got. I also got two games, um, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, which is basically like glorified DLC. But Uncharted is one of the dollar DLC. Well, I paid fifteen dollars for yeah. it. I <laughs> guess. I mean, I'm hoping it's like a full story, full Uncharted experience, one of the best looking games of all time. And then um, The Last of Us Remastered, which is an incredible yeah, classic, game, classic and it comes game. with DLC. Yeah. And then I also got. See, a sound you, bar. You preluded this acting like it was going to be a small list. It's still a pretty big list. Like it's it's smaller than hundred. Oh, I yeah. Mean, but I only I I only spent like what 50, 60 bucks on Blu-ray. Okay. I mean that's I I only spent about a hundred dollars in total for getting like fifteen things. Oh. Yeah. What do you think my first no, Blu-ray and then should also, be that I ever bought? Probably like the no social more. network. Probably no BVS. BBS. Yeah, well, probably. I. You know what? If you go down to the local pawn shop, I'm sure they have like 20 copies of Dragon Ball Evolution. Mm. 
<laughs> you get that. I think the the sound bar is the most important part of Ernest. Yeah, Hunter. So we, we this, got, this leads yeah. into a new segment we're calling the surprise hot take. <laughs> where we're oh, going to surprise it, Hunter with a hot it take. It wasn't even on the list here. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not yeah. ready. So this hot take. Um, here, you ready for it? Just take a deep breath. Oh, God, it's going to be something that's going to piss me off. I'm ready for it. Your entire Blu-ray collection is worthless it's, without it's a sound useless. system. Absolutely <laughs> fucking You're worthless. Getting, you know, I won't even have the experience. Like, it's it's useless. Yeah, the once you get a surround sound system, that's when all your Blu-ray become truly Blu-ray. Right <laughs> yeah. now, they're Otherwise, just, it's just potential energy. Yeah. Okay. You guys are only taking into account half of what the Blu-ray quality is, the audio part, which I won't Clearly. I won't disagree with you. Audio is extremely important in the Blu-ray player, but that crystal clear image. Mm. But without image. it, like mm-hmm. you know, what's it worth? Well, I don't even I don't you even, can't like, even be immersed. I don't even listen to the movies that I buy. <laughs> I just I, I yeah. mute them and I'm just like, look at all these pretty images. Wow. So That's why can, I think BBS is the best movie of last year. It's so he can beautiful looking. It's so he can hear himself breathing when he masturbates <laughs> um yeah I'll, to add to that i'll say one thing one time an interviewer asked helen keller if she would rather be deaf or blind you know what she said blind yeah you know what though Think about that she Hunter. had both <laughs> <laughs> she was both and she was like yeah she's like why would you ask me that i'm deaf and blind <laughs> you have was, you have no idea okay. how great your precious blu-ray collection will be yeah, once you you'll get never know i mean i almost i almost sound bought sound surround sound but like if i'm buying if i'm buying a good sound i'm not just gonna get a shitty sound bar like you guys got <laughs> i'm fucking turning my living room to a home Wait, theater is this a system. segment called hunter's surprise hot take <laughs> surprise hot take i think dvds and blu-ray are the same thing <laughs> i don't even know what the difference is without Literally, a sound system I just, yeah that's that's what you just, I just got think, a bunch of i just think that the cases DVDs. look cool i like the color blue so i just buy those this has been my suspicion because he doesn't have a TV. <laughs> oh my god, my walls are lined with Blu-ray. I don't even have space for a yeah, television. Yeah, you, you're, you're essentially just listening through shit through like standard definition. You're, you, all your Blu-rays are like screener DVDs. Yeah, well, I mean, you watermarked. Know, when I'm def. when I'm buying and watching a movie, I think that I'm always like thinking to myself, "This is a good time to catch up on podcasts." So I mute the TV and I listen to some yeah, podcasts. Hollywood handbook. <laughs> listen to some Sean and Hayes banter while yeah, I'm watching. That's classic. Whatever I'm watching. Okay. Watching well, the Tree of Life. That's enough time devoted to Black Friday. That was like a lukewarm take, guys. That wasn't even that hot of a take. <laughs> it was. It was a spicy take. It was. It was, spicy take. It was half of a hot take. Okay. Mm. Well, did you guys see the Grammy Still nominations? Um. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 About yes. it. Question. Does anybody care about the Grammys anymore? Okay. Do they have any this is what I was bearing say. whatsoever? The Grammys are, I would say, the most irrelevant of the major award shows. Where, like, the Oscars, people still kind of care about. The Emmys, people still kind of care about. Grammys, people don't... I mean, as far as, like, no one's like, oh, I really care. Like, if you don't win a Grammy, I don't care about you. Like... It's not really that way. It's because music taste is so diverse yeah. among people. Like you can't just compare. Like, yeah. oh, what's album of and the year is going to appeal to the, the last decade or so, they've been very out of touch with what's been. Going yeah, it's always on. like like Taylor Swift. Taylor or, Swift yeah. album of the um, year for Kendrick. Yeah. So this year, I would say that their nominations are better than usual. Like they're more current. They're more relevant. 
but and but they're just I mean they're still not great. <laughs> I'm just hoping Gambino and Donald Glover just win every award. Just I was give, really, give every award that there is yeah. to Donald Glover. I was really supl- surprised with uh, yeah. Awaken My Love See, getting yeah, so I think, many yeah. nominations. I think Redbone is deserving of awards, but Awaken My Love as a whole, I'm not so sure. I love I Dude, love Awaken I My actually love. just yeah. re-listened to that it's after these nominations album. came out. And I think it is. I think it's, it's, a, it's fantastic a solid album. album. Like listening to it in context of like Gambino's whole discography, it oh, is yeah. very jarring. But when you like remove it from that and just think of it as its own thing, there mm. is a lot to appreciate about it. And it's that. unlike anything else that's made today. That's what you have to it appreciate sounds like so it's much like, about it. Like a late seventies funk record. Right. It yeah. sounds like it would come in something in the There's, wake of like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, and there's yeah, a like there's that. a great video that Genius made that's gone around like multiple times on Facebook, gone viral. Uh, it's an interview with producer of that entire album, Ludwig Göransson. Yeah, it's like this Norse dude with long hair, and he's like, "Yeah, I had never really heard funk before, but I just like decided, you know, I'll just make this record." Well, he he worked really closely with Gambino on. Um, because the internet and they actually yeah. met on, on the set of community on community yeah he, yeah he did the music for community yeah which is that's crazy yeah um well other nominees of no are SZA yeah that that surprised me a lot and that's really fun yeah, for cool. her album control yeah which is a great album great album good for her she also is uh nominated for like the best rap singing performance mm-hmm. for love galore rap which singing. i think the is, weekend rap, rap i think that song. might be the best like nominee of those picks. Uh, just that's a pretty tight, tight race. I know honestly. it's a tight race, but also, I mean, I love Damn. Damn's one of my absolute favorite albums of the year. But Loyalty I, is my least favorite song. Like on that you album. dislike Loyalty? Okay, I don't dislike Loyalty because I pretty much like at least like every Kendrick song that there is. Right. But I think that that is yeah. my I, least favorite song. I think it's album. in the bottom wow. half. It's in. I would say it's the bottom half, but I wouldn't say it's like the least. Like, I would. I would like it fear. always captures my attention mm. over fear oh. or yeah. As long as we're talking I about damn, yeah. really quick. U uh, two has a new album out, and Kendrick is featured on it, much in the same way that um, Bono was featured on Damn. Yeah, and it's pretty funny. They use the same. It's not a place, oh, but they boy. make that into a whole new song that sounds a lot worse. <laughs> you should check it out. No. <laughs> well, I love uh, XXX. That's one of the best yeah, songs exactly. on the album. They take the the whole jazz beat of it and they turn it into like a YouTube. Shout song. out to Lord for her album of the year nomination mm-hmm. for melodrama, and also shout out to Jack Antonoff, the producer of that yeah. whole album of Bleachers and Fun. Yeah, he. I mean, he's really annoying if you read any interview with him, but he produced a good album, a, a great album, I would yeah. say. Also, Who? shout out to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Unbelievable, <laughs> yo, best audio book. <laughs> this is where the white people can come through for us ideally mm, vote yeah. for bernie vote yeah. for bernie speaking no, of which great. hillary wins best audiobook <laughs> <laughs> no and then is beat by trump next year oh my god um song I, of the year nomination 1-800-273-8255 great song logic hey i like that song a lot yeah like, it's, it's so catchy Oh, <laughs> also Run the Jewels and Danger Mouse yeah. for Chase Me. Yeah, yeah, Chase yeah. Me. That's pretty cool. Is that Run the Jewels' first Grammy nomination? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Oh, shit. That's yeah. dope. 
Mm-hmm. Who do you I mean, think is going to get the best rap album? Because that's a tight race too. Like album, uh, yeah. definitely Kendrick. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Z. I wouldn't Jay-Z. be surprised if, yeah. but also Migos. They did yeah. the fucking Met Gala. Dude, like, dude yeah, if Migos true. wins, I think they could. That I would really think they could. Insane. I mean, <laughs> are they performing at the Grammys? They get played probably. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I, I bet they yeah. would. Jay Z got a shitload of nominations. Yeah, this he did year. the most the out of anyone. Hey, four forty four is a good. That's a good album. Like, yeah, I think is it is it. Is it got the story six, of OJ nominated for record yes, of the year? It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the biggest snub is a tribe called Quest. I yeah. would call yeah. no nominations. It's, yeah, say. they performed at the Grammys last year and they got no nominations this year for a great album. I've been listening to that. I slept mm-hmm. on it for a while and I've been listening to it just about every day for the past two months. And it's Are you inc- sure they weren't nominated last year? Um, I don't know if they were nominated last year, but they weren't nominated this year. One of the uh, members, no, they, they weren't. No, yeah, yeah, one they, of they, it would have come after. The yeah, exactly. Window. They they performed and then they released an incredible album and it got zero nominations. It's inexplicable, yeah. really. Wow. Like it, also, Cardi B's nominated. Shouts out. <laughs> She's not gonna get it, but like that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, also, Black best off of his fucking debut. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, Problems. Yeah, nominated. Very that's, cool. That's really cool. Best alternative music album is actually like pretty interesting, just because usually like their rock selection at the Grammys is mm-hmm. like pretty god. And their rock selection this year is horrible. The rock selection is, but alternative <laughs> has just been like the new like best rock album, and yeah. we have Everything Now by Arcade Fire, Humans by Gorillaz. Which, by the way, I we down talked Humans a lot uh, whenever we did like one of our early podcast that we did but humans is a really good album it's not the most cohesive album in the world it kind of comes across as an album full of singles Mm. but there are some great great bangers on that album it just sucks that it's probably gorilla's weakest album i mean yeah yeah, i i wouldn't disagree with that but i still think not counting the fall i still think it's an above average album also american dream also nominated yeah it's a great category everything now it's got father john misty i hope everything now it's got the national on there i think everything now or american dream i mean the the grammys do like arcade fire uh, Sylvanessa has some nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best dance album. Yeah. Bruno Mars got a shitload honestly. of nominations. Which not actually, Twenty Four Karat Magic, not a bad pop album. Like it's, it's pretty, yeah, Twenty Four Karat Magic. It's, that's it's, a great it's a song. Great like album, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, pops. well let's let's make a prediction. Let's let's try to predict the the big. Uh, hmm. I guess the big two. What do you guys think is going to win album of the year? Album of the year. Let me just go ahead. I think okay. I think that I don't know if it'll win, but I think that is the most traditional Grammy win Bruno. pick is either Bruno or Melodrama with Lord. Ooh, I don't think Lord will get it. I don't. I don't know, know dude. That. Everybody like that's a consensus number one. It's album her of the only year. nomination. Is but that it's category. just it's been like everybody like mass critical pitchfork has mm. it as the top top yeah. album of the I year. I would say probably Kendrick. I would say Kendrick. Yeah, that'd be my prediction. Kendrick, Bruno. I'd be he's, so happy well, if because Gambino he's been snubbed. Yeah. yeah, like multiple be a consolation. Times. Unfortunately, yeah. I feel like Despacito is going to win Record of the Year. Oh and yeah, I would give anything sure. in my life for because the other four nominees are all great songs. And then Despacito makes me want to kill myself. But I'd say it's, it's twenty four karat or humble for uh, record. Of record? The year? Yeah. yeah. Best new artist should go to SZA. It was me. Grant. I don't know. I think I actually think that Khaled has a good chance at winning best new artist. Oh, Khalid. Khalid. Yeah. See, I always know that it's Khalid, but I just say DJ Khaled in my head, and then we the best. It's DJ Khalid. 
Um, okay, guys. So before we move on to what we've been watching, we're going to bring you another live trailer reaction. Avengers Teaser Freezer This edition. is our teaser freezer. None of us have seen the trailer for Avengers Infinity Wars. It came I, out today, right? Yeah, this morning. First I, thing yeah. on Good Morning America. Oh, yeah. I don't have a laptop, guys. So, so we're going to react to it so that you know how no, to I'm, react I'm, to I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to play it on the, on the computer back here. All right, so let's get situated. This podcast is brought to you by Shitty Beer. Everyone get nice and cozy. Cuddle up with your loved ones. Mm -hmm. and um, Tease me. Let's, uh, let's give this thing a whirl. Why don't you go ahead and tease me? Everything's red. Okay. To bring together a group of remarkable people. Oh shit. To see if we could become something more. Mm. Whoa, vision in full so skin mode. Us, we could fight the battles. And These shots look beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so far this is really good. I I talked about getting Marvel fatigue, but this is a really good trailer so far. Okay, always fill your trailer with like 15 <laughs> seconds of logo. logos. Yeah. You will know what it's like to lose. To feel so desperately that you're right. Whoa. Oh. Spidey. Spidey sense. It's big thing in the sky. It's a rival. <laughs> yeah, really. Destiny's still alive. Josh Brolin. It's as Thanos as Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> oh shit oh, Spider-Man it's like Spider-Man Ant-Man oh my god Black Panther Hulkbuster's back oh Scarlet with that blonde hair alien alien, alien yeah <laughs> there's no Ant-Man He's in the movie, right? I don't know. Oh shit, he's okay, got he's gathering the stones. Oh, he's quoting he's got, the Joker. Are you oh no. kidding me? Iron Man got punched in the freaking face. Oh my god, Wakanda. Wakanda as fuck. <laughs> Whoa, that's dope. That's oh, a cool that's shot. That's a great shot. That final okay. shot of everyone see, running. See, you said that there was no Ant-Man there, but he, you couldn't see him. He was really small. Yeah. Every, every frame. He was every always single shot. The whole movie. Yeah. He's riding on Tony Stark's shoulder. That'd be really great. Oh, oh. Whoa. Oh, Guardians. Oh. Okay. Spoilers for Thor Ragnarok. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, that was kind of. Uh, what, yeah. Thor lives? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, yeah, the eye patch. No eye. Um, okay, yeah, that was a good trailer. I'm. You know, like I said, I'm getting I'm getting sick of the Marvel thing, but that was, that was a there was no comedy trailer. in that trailer. That was a very dramatic trailer, and it also it worked well. It wasn't yeah, a, but it wasn't annoying melodrama. Do you remember the trailer for Avengers two? I absolutely don't. Yeah. It ha also had no comedy in it, and that was a very comedic film. It was a, it was a really I mean, good I, trailer. There's no way too. the movie's going to be entirely dramatic. It's going to be fit the tone of. Every but guys, don't you Marvel wish movie. that there was yeah, like a sure. hit pop song or some kind of a rendition of a classic like Beatles song or something like mm. come together in it where everything's red. Yeah. As performed by Jared Leto. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or don't like, you wish that we were watching Justice League two <laughs> instead? Oh shit! I love how uh, Marvel gave Justice League a solid two weeks of runtime <laughs> before dropping this trailer. It was like, all right, you you tried. You guys get one. Yeah. Also, they dropped like a massive uh, Vanity Fair piece on um, the whole MCU, which I read. Uh, Ray actually posted it on our chat and it's a great article that sort of runs down the whole MCU story and how Kevin Feige has made these characters like into the most successful franchise of all time Mm. and then there was also like leading up to this trailer there was a Tom Holland like Instagram live thing where he opens a package from Mark Ruffalo that turns out to be like confidential and he's like opening in front of the camera and and you can't you can see it because of the placement of his phone but he can't see and it says confidential do not share and it's just like the poster for Infinity War which is so staged (laughs) but it's like a nice little bit of like Tom Holland being like oh no oh my god oh my god I'm I'm just I'm such a kid oh man (laughs) I'm a little baby it's cool. I mean, this movie, you know, this with Avengers 4 is going to be the finale of all these movies. Like, this is when everyone's contracts are ending. So we're we're going to get an ending. Do you guys think this movie is going to be like four hours long or what? Because I don't know, like, the Avengers movies with having like, what, five, six main characters or like three hours long a piece. This is taking that cast and doubling it. So we're either going to have a four hour long movie or it's going to be pretty incoherent at parts. I mean, yeah. I'm expecting it to be incoherent at yeah, parts. I think it's going to be too short. I mean, I feel like that's going to be, but they're going to be in this problem where it's going to be two hours and 45 minutes. And we're going to be like, well, I feel like we needed another hour with these characters. Cause yeah, well, that's what just, Avengers four is going to be. It's the, it's the yeah, second, it's the I second just, half of the story. Snyder actually said this about, um, justice league because like, we're obviously getting sick, especially of DC, of the long-ass movies, because they don't fill it with anything very valuable. Yeah. But at the same time, Justice League could have used another half hour, because it has so, so, many, so many different characters in it. Um, so yeah, I wonder how what the runtime's going to be for it. I mean, it, this is a solid trailer, you know? It, it's getting people hyped. It's it's got those good shots of Spider Man and Black Panther. It's, it's a great like, trailer. Like I I, yeah. I have to give it that. Like showing I mean, Doctor it's, Strange, it's a really good looking trailer. Yeah, hanging out with Tony Stark. Thor like, Ragnarok gave me more faith in Doctor Strange as a character because they actually make his powers look cool. Where in Doctor Strange the movie, it was like, whoa, look at all these trippy visuals I can make, man. This is like Inception, but yeah. not as good of a movie. The the one thing I really ask from this film and from um, Avengers Four. Which we got a little bitty, bitty, tiny taste of in Civil War is some actual peril. Just yeah. something to like really elevate the drama and give us a sense that these characters really are in danger. And I think for that to happen, in uh, especially to build up a sense of peril for Avengers 4, Infinity War, we're going to need a main character to die. Like, we're at that point. I would love that. We're at that point. It ha- it's really Marvel would. needs to fuck us up by yeah. being like, you know what? Captain America, he's fucking dead. And and Tony Stark, both of yeah. them. The two main guys, just we don't need them anymore. Their contracts are ending. Yeah. Just, Give them a really climactic, dramatic death that will yeah. just like. I would miss Tony that would Stark, be, though. I honestly wouldn't miss Captain America very much. No. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm surprised he's not dead. But, <laughs> I mean, I really thought that one of them was going to die in Civil War. That's what I was hoping for leading yeah. up to, is I really thought that could have been the death of Captain America or Iron True. Man. And it 
didn't end up happening, but mm. I just, I really hope that with this, I mean, that would be one thing that they could do that could reinvigorate the entire franchise as opposed to being like, oh, their contracts are ending. Well, Iron Man and Captain America are Farewell. just going to sail off into the sunset. Yeah. yeah, they're all fine now. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that would be like a non-ending. Yeah. yeah. They go live in a condo yeah, together a in like Miami. No, fucking. <laughs> they, go end in, they go live in Wakanda. Have Thanos fucking snap his fingers and their necks just break. Oh my mm, god. Mm. That's essentially okay, what, what happens in the comic book. That's what he can do with the gauntlet thing yeah. with the hand. Like they've they've done a great job with keeping all these plot lines going and keeping everything mildly suspenseful. But yeah, I mean you're right. Eventually someone's gotta fucking die. All right. Well, hopefully, you know, we actually don't lose interest in these movies because they're just gonna keep coming. I'm already I'm already losing it. <laughs> I can't I can't do much more. I like Harry said, I really agree with Harry when he came on the pod. He said after this movie, it's like I'm I'm just gonna be checked out. Yeah. You know. I mean Avengers four is the follow up, so hopefully that'll like tie up all the big loose ends that this one does and that will be like the big finale. But after that is like I don't really care. Well, I mean, what's coming in between Infinity War and Avengers 4? Uh, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Is there another Doctor Strange Oh, wait, no, no. Black Panther is before. Yeah, Black Panther's Uh, in February. Captain America, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, that doesn't come out. When does... Is Infinity War Captain Captain Marvel. Did I say Captain America? Yeah, you did. No, Captain Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, Brie Larson. And Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I think that's it. There might be another one. There might be like Spider-Man Homecoming 2 or something. Because are they just going to event, uh, like release these a year apart from each other? Yeah. Okay. Avengers 4 is 2019. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I, okay. I don't know. All we'll, right. We'll let's, see how it goes. Let's move we'll on, goes. on. What we've been watching. What you've been watching, Drew? All right. This is a listening thing. This is a music thing. Because as we are pop culture, music is pop culture. What what have you been despite, listening to? Despite the shit that Colin might talk to me about how we talk about music, I have been listening to J-Som, which is... Yeah, <laughs> I know. I figured you guys would laugh just like you did last week about Nujabees, the dead producer <laughs> who I like. Um, so, dude. like, is he on tour or what? It's is this guy dead? a girl. Oh. Oh! Um, this, yeah, Correct. so this... J-Som is just the artist's name of... It's Melina Duterte. She's uh she's a Californian chick who her it's like it's kind of like critics would describe it as dream pop. I don't for some reason I don't like that phrase very much. But it's in the vein Beach of House. In the vein of Beach House, Mac DeMarco, Alex G, um, and Japanese Breakfast. So, you know, if you're if you're into that whole scene, then you'll definitely like this girl because okay. she's like I I first started listening because um like top 50 or top 10 albums of the year from various publications are starting to surface because it's the end of the year and she kept on popping up um in fact she made paste magazine's number one album of the year so i looked her up and it's really i don't know if i would call it number one album of the year material but it's really fucking good for what it is in this like specific subgenre. it's about as good as it gets um it's She plays every single instrument on the album. Damn. Yeah. It's it's That's like impressive. a Kevin Parker type deal where yeah. she is doing everything involved. Um, and it's just incredibly solid. It's got the poppiness to it, but it's also very spacey, very dreamy. So I guess the the tag does fit it. Um, it's just like all around, there's, there's no weakness to it, really. Um, it How just, did you stumble upon this? 
I just said. Yeah. Oh, okay. The list, the top ten list. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's she's she's making a lot of top ten lists. Her album this year is called Everybody Works, and it's a great album. And then she had one last year called Turn Into. That's almost just as good. So she's young and she's like pretty new to the scene, and I'm really really excited for what she has left to do because this is like, I I was shocked at how in, like comprehensively solid this is. There's just no weakness to it. So for an artist that new, like that's really promising. The the label that she signed on to also has of Montreal. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that fits. It's and just, generationals. It's it's just it's very like it's very alt. It, it entirely your opinion on it is going to be based on your opinion of the entire of the sun subgenre in which she lies. So if you like Alex G, if you like Mac DeMarco, if you like Beach House, if you like Japanese Breakfast, there's no way you won't like J Som J A Y Space. S-O-M. Som. Jason. 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 Also, some other people on this um, uh, label, it's called Polyvinyl. Uh, Always. American oh. Football. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, huh. Starfucker. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I really like oh. another all of has been making a lot of lists too. I haven't listened to the new one, but I do. I like their last album with Mary me Archie on it. That's a really good pop song, like indie pop. Um, but yeah, anyway, we don't have to spend any more time on it. It's, okay. it's worth listening. Colin was talking okay. shit about you talking about music on a pop culture podcast. Yeah. Well, just cause he was like, cause they, they pretty much only do films. Like he was like, it's like if like fucking Fantano started talking to me about movies. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> God damn it. They Colin. Ta- they were talking shit about King Cruel on their podcast too. They were just, they had, well, it's because of just listened to it and they were like, yeah. what the fuck is this? It's, King yeah. Krull it's cause it guy? kept, it kept Krull? coming on when they were trying to get uh Della two dope on the air. On Yo, the shout radio out, shout out to Della two dope. Go check him out. Yeah. Tallahassee native. Um, but yeah, no, King Cruel's good. Huh? Speaking of Snyder Colin, though, they were uh, talking about Get Out on their new podcast, and Colin has a much better take on that film. Mm. He saw it a second time, and I was like, oh, good take, Colin. Oh. <laughs> Did he have a bad take the first time? I don't what? know. I don't know. <laughs> he said that his his opinion improved from uh, after a second viewing, which I totally it, agree. It really does. Yeah, like, mm. the more that you watch that movie, yeah. the, more I, the more I love so it. So what, what else have you been watching, Drew? Uh, yeah, so the next thing is, you've probably seen this on Netflix again, um, because Netflix produced a documentary starring Jim Carrey called Jim and Andy. And what it's about is his performance and the filming of a movie he made in 1998 called Man on the Moon, which was basically a biopic of Andy Kaufman's life. Andy Kaufman is a, a comedic trailblazer, very controversial in like the 70s and 80s. He was essentially the first guy to bring characters into real life. Like he was just basically always in character. So he's an influence of people like Nathan Fielder, who you may Kyle have, Mooney. You may have heard we're kind of into Nathan Fielder and Kyle Mooney. Um, <laughs> just but a little bit. His stuff is like less accessible than that stuff. It's like it's very weird. Well, nobody knew what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes he for his performance he would just put on a record in the background and then just like kind of half dance and then like lip sync a little bit. Like it was really really weird shit for the time. Um so the movie Man on the Moon is directed by I don't have his name but it's the guy who directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's a oh. and the cast is real it's star-studded. It has Danny DeVito in a leading role. It's a great cast. The movie itself 
I was kind of disappointed by it just because all these things like Andy Kaufman's life is fascinating. He died like weirdly. He died mysteriously. Some people think he's still alive. But oh, just, yeah, I've heard that. It, <laughs> he's dead. But no, there's people that are like way well, obsessive. He has this uh, crony like his best friend through his whole career is keeping this thing alive. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he's alive. But it's just it's obviously just because. Wake up, sheeple. The yeah, name of the no. director is Milos Forman. Yeah. So he, you know, I, I read all about this and I was like, oh, this should be a good movie. I watched the movie first before I saw the documentary. The movie was kind of disappointing because it's just, it's kind of just like a straight through and through recounting of important events in Andy Kaufman's life. What I was hoping for was that it would give you more insight into his psyche because that's the interesting part of yeah. Andy Kaufman is something more in yeah. line with his comedic. No, well, just no one knew who he truly was. And it kind of seems like this movie doesn't know who he truly is. So it's just kind of has like a separation to it, even though you do get a great performance by Jim Carrey and his impression is unbelievable. Like Andy Kaufman's a tough guy to do an impression of. And Jim Carrey does an unreal job. But then I watched this documentary Jim and Andy, which, no, by the name, you might think, oh, is it a The Office erotic fan fiction? <laughs> no, it's not. Damn it, that was he, what I was hoping for. Okay, method acting is a thing where, like, Daniel Day-Lewis will do this, where he gets into the character and he doesn't come out until filming is done or whatever. Or uh, Jared Leto. Jim Carrey is so fucking annoying in this documentary. It's unbelievable. Like, there's method acting, and then there is compromising the set of the movie and making everyone have a worse time. Like, the director was reduced a lot of times in this documentary to a babysitter because Jim Carrey refused to get out of the character of Andy Kaufman. And then Andy Kaufman also does this sub-character who is, like, a lounge singer, that um, Andy Kaufman created him to be like, yeah, this guy, uh, he always opens for me because I did an impression of him and he's like offended or whatever. And then it would just be Andy Kaufman in like facial prosthetics and stuff. So Jim Carrey would also get into that character of the lounge singer. And he is just insufferable. Like <laughs> he's so fucking annoying and he's bothering everyone on set. And he, you know, it's interviewing him in 2017. So he does have some retrospect to him. Like he's not completely unaware of how annoying he was being. But it just doesn't excuse, like, I feel like the movie would have been better if everyone weren't constantly bothered by the fact that he was kind of ruining things. There's a wrestler who was in the original movie, or who was in uh, Andy Kaufman in the 80s. He would do these wrestling stunts where he would, A, wrestle, like, women, and then he wrestled this one guy in, like, the WWE. So that guy came back for this movie in 1998 to play himself. And Jim Carrey is legitimately like a fucking asshole to him. He will not stop bothering this guy because he's like, well, Andy would have done it. So now I'm Andy. And when he talks in, in the interviews, he's like, yeah, some Andy had a mind of his own. Like he talks in third person like Andy's his own guy. Oh, what? You, you kind of want to punch <laughs> <Jesus>. him. <laughs> um, like he had no control yeah, over himself. So, yeah. But the thing is. So uh, Jim Carrey is bothering the shit out of this guy to the point that the guy like kind of like punches the fuck out of Jim Carrey. Kind of? Like he had to for the scene, but he like actually did. <laughs> um, and they're like in a wrestling rink and the guy's like, no, I'm fucking done with you. Like they had to be separated by the like the production crew. Nice. And they interviewed this wrestler afterward and he's like, Andy Kaufman was never like this. Like, he was not like this to me. He was perfectly polite and then we would do our stunt and then he would be mean to me during that. So Jim Carrey, like, completely missed the personality of who he was trying to convey. Um, 
With that said, the documentary I thought was better than the movie because it gets into the depth of why Jim Carrey is like what he's like. It gets into his past and you and he basically openly admits this. He was doing like he got so deep into this character because he had a lot of anger inside him. And this gave him an outlet where he was just kind of allowed to be an asshole. Um, and he, some of the stuff he talks about his childhood is very interesting. Like his, well, he suffered with depression. Yeah. He's, he's been depressed a long time. His dad, uh, was like a super funny guy and they lived in Canada and he just never quite made the leap to America and he became an accountant and he settled. And Jim Carrey just casually mentions this little anecdote of like, uh, Jim Carrey's grandpa would come over his dad's father and he would just berate Jim Carrey's dad and just be like, you're nothing. You're a failure. You're nobody. Like, no one cares about you. And apparently Jim Carrey, like, once his dad, once his grandpa left, Jim Carrey would be the guy that would be do, like, the character of the grandpa. Like, that was how he got his start in, like, embodying characters was this tragic story. Damn. Jesus. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And it does have that layer of depth to it where you're like, okay, I get where he was coming from, but he went too far. With just being kind of a dick. So I've I've heard a little bit of talk about how the people who had the footage, the all the behind the scenes stuff from the shoot, they yeah. didn't want to really give it to he, Netflix initially, he, and there was some yeah, sort of struggle. He allowed, like back at the time, he allowed a camera crew to shoot this entire process like separate from the movie. So there is like it's good footage of all. Are, are you talking about uh, Foreman or Carrie? Carrie. Okay. He, yeah, he allowed a camera crew to shoot him doing this entire thing. Um, and it's true that he did end up giving an incredible performance. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy for this performance. But I can't imagine being that director when Jim Carrey is doing his best to just be completely annoying all the time for the character, in quotes. Yeah. But you know who comes across as really cool in this documentary is Danny DeVito. Cause he has to deal with all this bullshit and he's just trying to, he's trying to figure out like how, Oh, how am I going to, you know, make it work with this crazy guy? So he'll just be like, Hey, you know, he calls him Andy. He plays along with this entire yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really, really great documentary. I would recommend, I wouldn't recommend the movie on its own. It's an okay movie. Like it's, it's good. I would say, but it's not great. But you can get something out of the documentary without yeah. watching man on the moon. You probably can. Okay. I, yeah, because yeah, you don't have to watch the movie. I would recommend it because the movie and the that's context. Yeah, it's a good like shot and chaser kind of. Yeah. Um, but the documentary is more interesting in my opinion. It's it's just it's crazy and some truly interesting things happen because he will not get out of character. Like the guy who plays Andy Kaufman's dad will come in. He comes in while Jim Carrey's getting his makeup on, and he they're just both in character and they're having this like incredibly real argument about like I just want you to pay attention to me and it's like legitimate like they're like near tears even though they're in character so it's kind of like blurring this line between reality and fiction because then the dad like storms out and the lady doing Jim's makeup just starts crying because she's like that's that's just too like that's too much like my dad like it's oh my god um yeah so it it, you know it does he did do what he kind of wanted to do but just I don't know in recent interviews he just comes across as a guy who took an intro to philosophy course and like he just discovered nihilism so he's like he'll be on the red carpet and he'll be like did you know that none of this actually matters and it's like cool Jim Jim Carrey doesn't exist 
Yeah, just I'm just a flesh cell. It, yeah. Um he he is very earnest in the in the documentary and oh, I, what's up? I mean I, <laughs> <laughs> he's very Calderon in the documentary. I'll give him that. And it's I don't know, it's a great documentary and I I would recommend watching the movie first cuz it's a good movie. It's just I feel like with it's kind of like what I said with Justice League. With that source material, that cast and that director should have been great. It was it was like a 7 probably. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I, I really want to I really want to check that out because I love Jim Carrey, especially in like I mean, I know Man on the Moon is a comedic movie, but mm. I love Jim Carrey dramatic roles. Yeah. I think he's a far it superior does. dramatic actor than he is a yeah. I mean, comedic it, actor. Eternal Sunshine of the Eternal Sunshine, yeah. Truman Show. Yeah. It like, gets best roles. it gets very deep into how he just he blew up and he was like, "Okay, well this is what I wanted." Cuz in 1994, he had Ace Ventura, he had The Mask, and he had one more massive movie that year. I don't remember. Um and he became the biggest star in the world out of nowhere because he'd only before that he was on um In Living Color, the mm-hmm. sketch show mainly for yeah. you know uh, the uh, colored people audience um i mean wasn't he like infamously rejected from snl yeah he had an snl audition he didn't get it and then in 1944 he's just the biggest guy in the world so in 1998 when they're shooting this he's been the biggest guy in the world for several years and he's like why am i still so sad why am i still empty and so he's dealing with that while they're shooting this movie and that's where the really interesting stuff comes in the documentary um i can't recommend the documentary enough it's it's even though he's insufferable and like a lot of the time you're annoyed, it's fascinating and it's worth watching. Hmm. So that's Man on the Moon. Uh, well, Jim Jim and Andy's on Netflix, but where did you watch Man on the Moon? I think Man on the Moon's on Netflix. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. I know it used to be, but I thought they took it off. But yeah, Jim and Andy's on Netflix r- right now. Okay, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about because... You know, it's that time of year. If you're a if you're a young hip college student like I happen to be, we got finals <laughs> coming up and all these other things. And uh, this was actually this next thing that I've been watching was actually uh, assigned for my school, my philosophy of psychology class. Mm. But philosophy of psychology, philosophy of psychology, yes. And I wasn't really expecting anything from this, but it actually really, really captivated me and my attention. And this is a, a PBS documentary called The Lobotomist. Um, it goes through the story of Walter Freeman, who basically uh, conducted the first American, or he orchestrated the first American lobotomy, um, which at the time was a very orchestrated procedure that was used as a last resort kind of thing. It was done with a surgeon Mm. conducting everything. And he kind of circumvented it to like uh, almost a, what you would say just like a factory line kind of way. He's the one who came up with the idea of just using an ice pick. Yes. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. And it, he's actually like kind of a really tragic character and you really learn more about him from this documentary. He originally worked with this guy, James Watts, who was his surgeon. Um, he didn't actually have a license to practice surgery, so he would tell Watts while he was doing the surgery what exactly to do and how to con- how to perform the lobotomy. But he was so focused in on making a name for himself and becoming one of the great psychologists that somewhere along the way he lost track of actually trying to help people and he went for trying to treat as many people as possible and it got mm-hmm. to the point where he would just use this just right away it 
it it gets really tragic. Yeah. He starts. Yeah. He tells about he can. Uh, they tell about how he conducted a lobotomy on a four year old. Oh, yeah. What? It's does it no, ever this, does it ever talk about? I don't know if he's directly related, but the uh, Kennedy sibling. Yes, it yes. Does? That was actually one of the major cases that uh, people started kind of like looking yeah. more into him. Uh, Rosemary Kennedy, yeah, John she, F. Kennedy's sister. Yeah, because she was a Kennedy, and she. I mean, she wasn't disabled. She, she just acted out a lot, right? No. Well, she might have had like some kind of like a form of autism okay. or something. But she wasn't like that bad. Yeah, and then but at she that just point, acted out so much, and she partied a lot or whatever. And so after stuck the fucking ice. Yeah, and after they did that, basically, <laughs> it totally ruined her personality and it got her to the point where she could have been on her own before. At that mm. point, she basically had to be like babysat her yeah, entire life. It just it turns you into a zombie. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the whole yeah. thing, and they go through this whole documentary and. It's really, really interesting, his whole story. Eventually, when he started introducing this whole ice pick method, uh, his former partner, Watts, left him because he (laughs) thought the whole thing was unethical. But this was just a crazy time when this was all happening because this was in the 40s, 50s. So this is a documentary? Yes, it's a documentary on PBS from the American Experience thing. It's like a Nova documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an episode of American Experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But... uh, they go through the, during this time period is kind of around the time of like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of era where there's just mass overpopulations of these mental wards. Mm. And it got to the point where they were closing down these hospitals all over the country and people were either going to be sent out on the street to be homeless or they were going to go to jail. So he came up with this. That was whenever he really kind of, uh, like incorporated doing this whole ice pick thing Mm. just to the masses where he would line up, a line of 50 people and he would just go through and do all of them one after another. But they talk about, because originally like he, he's doing this all to help people, but he gets so full of himself and so arrogant that he starts like, he gets bored doing it with his right hand, so he does it left-handed <laughs> and stuff like fuck? this. What? Yeah, that's insane. No, oh like it's God. it's why, and he does this thing because he to help him know where to stop as far as drilling the ice pick into it's, somebody's it's head. The, yeah, he he tells counting. him to either count backwards or to say the Lord's prayer. Yeah, and oh and then Jesus. once they can't do it anymore, he stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my! No, God. it's it's wild. That's, but yeah. then, like, okay, so fast forward to 1967 when he finally, like, he finally got his power stripped from him. And also, I should add, while this was happening, he was killing people. Like, people were dying from this, and there were having mm. negative side effects. But for the most part, like families and everybody else were like, oh my. 14-year-old child who was acting out is now not acting out anymore. So it's it's fine. It worked. Not realizing that they're like a fucking zombie now. Yeah. Oh but God. in 1967, when he got this <laughs> this whole thing stripped from him, he basically, like, he went into a massive depression because he realized that he totally lost sight of his medical, like, mm. his medical ideology Jeez. and what he was raised on. And so at that point, after he had everything stripped, he toured around the country and tried to talk to, like, as many of his former patients as he could <laughs> to try and see, like, if he did actually help them and everything to try and give himself some sanity and some peace. Um, in all, he did 2,900 lobotomies. Mm. And that's not including all of the people who he taught at different mental institutions and everything else how to do the lobotomy of so we're talking about probably close to 10,000 people who had lobotomies during this time. Honestly, after watching this documentary, 
I think that this character, Walter Freeman, would probably be my number one choice of somebody that I want to have a biopic on. I think that we, <laughs> no, like really, I think that we could have a genuinely great biopic about this character because he is kind of a tragic figure. Like he's somebody, he was an up and coming, he was, I don't remember which school he graduated from, but he was the youngest neurosurgeon ever to graduate there. True. Like, and he really was going about this trying to help people and whenever he goes to all these places people are telling him like this is a monstrous thing you can't just go drilling around somebody's brain nobody else had a solution at this time things like thorazine and lithium weren't commonplace during this time everybody else's solution was just to lock them up in a mental ward and he says well i'm at least doing something i'm doing action i'm trying to actually try to help these people that type of thing always makes for a great arc and would make for a great movie similarly i want a good movie on robert oppenheimer because he's the guy who made the atomic bomb yeah and he ended up regretting it so much he has the famous quote i am become death destroyer of worlds like what a great story that's yeah that would make for a really good movie i think like i just i i mean I know it's on YouTube. If you guys yeah, have any just, interest in it, I just looked it, it up. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. That's how I watched 53 it. Fifty-three minutes, fifty-four. It's, minutes. Yeah, it's a pretty short thing, but I mean, there's actually some fairly graphic parts. You that, see him do the just take but a little it, mallet. But is it reenactments? It. No, it's all it's it's footage from like from the forties. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. shit! Yeah, it's like black and white footage that you wow, can see. That's of him crazy. Going in because this one, he became like a celebrity. Um. Let me try and look up what the guy's name is. But yeah, he became like a celebrity going around the country trying to show off uh, his kind of method. He was featured on the cover of, I don't know if it was Time, but on like Newsweek or New York Times, Life, maybe. Remember Life but, uh, magazine. <laughs> and oh, he took this method, the original method for the lobotomy from a, uh, a Portuguese neurosurgeon, uh, Igas Moniz, mm. uh, who ended up winning actually a Nobel Prize for... Wow creating the lobotomy but yeah it's it's a crazy story guys if you guys are really if you're interested in neuroscience or anything like that i highly recommend it the lobotomist when i become a rich and successful director after Mm -hmm. i make like about 15 20 movies i can't afford a big budget i'm at uh hire colin farrell to play okay walter Mm -hmm. i could see that if you see if you see a picture of him you can see yours like yeah age colin farrell by about 20 years yeah that's gonna look like him i'm gonna hire colin goody yeah, Colin Goody's going to make gonna a competing movie. <laughs> Don't tell him you're shooting a movie. Just tell him that he has to, like, just give him an ice pick and be like, all right. And, like, a baby. Here you go. That would probably piss Colin off so much if I became a director and I directed Colin. I'm just like, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. Yeah, you're like, like oh, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> okay, so that's well, the lobotomist. We should, yep. let's take a break. But before we take a break, Grant, you want to you wanna share something you've been watching? Um, okay, I've been absolutely diving into the West Wing the last couple of weeks. The Sor- um, Aaron Sorkin show yeah, from the early 2000s. the hell out of it. Um, because Getting hyped for Molly's Game? Uh, clueless. Molly's um, Game is Aaron Sorkin's <laughs> directorial debut. Oh, okay. That sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, I have fallen in love with the writing from the show. I'm ready to watch the newsroom after. Mm. But, like, it, it is just gripping to watch, like... It just sucks me. Yeah, I mean, Sorkin's writing is like he makes anything, any dialogue seem like an action sequence. Yeah, like Um, when you're when you're watching The Social Network, you feel like watching Facebook get invented is like the most gripping, (laughs) thrilling shit ever. He's a he's a terrific writer. 
Um, Probably one of the best of our time, yeah, I would he, say. He's accused accurately of uh, overwriting, where like everything is too perfect. But, you know, part of it sure. is if you're watching something, you kind of want it to be perfect. But oh. yeah, that's what's awesome about The I West mean, Wing, is that it's like, like a perfect... It's yeah, the exactly. White House. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Dan <laughs> Harmon, very always ideal, doing Very something. idealistic. Yeah. Dan Harmon does the same thing. He overwrites everything, but sometimes you want it to be written a bit perfectly because yeah. you're watching something that's not reality. The it's, cast in, in, in West Wing is so Oh, it's a cool stellar too. cast. Yeah, it's mm. stacked. Fucking my boy Dule Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean. I can fix that. Yeah. Uh, Those are the two that. impressions of Dule Hill. That. Yeah. From Psych and Holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you got Michael uh, Michael Sheen, mm. uh, or Martin Sheen, sorry, yeah, as yeah. President Bartlett. He, uh, Bradley he, Whitford as Josh. Allison Janey as CJ, which I think is the mm. best. Uh, in the Brad- cast, she's great. MVP. Bradley Whitford is a great actor, betrayed by his hairline. His hairline, yeah. but also like the way he talks in the whole show. I I just can't stop laughing at it. At this point, he does this like takes a deep deep breath and like talks as he's holding his breath kind of thing, <laughs> and like all the time. It's all a the the- time. that's a theater thing because he's a theater guy. <laughs> also, was this Roblo's like breakout role? No, no, he was huge like way before that in like the eighties. He was a hot young starlet. Okay, yeah. And then he fell off because he had a whole controversy with like an underage girl or something. Ooh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. this was almost kind of like stick a comeback. him in the White House. Yeah, West Wing was kind of a comeback, and then Parks and Rec was like the final comeback where it's like, all right, he's yeah, cool again. and now he, he's he done. R.I.P. the yeah. grinder. <laughs> <laughs> the grinder. I saw the pilot of the grinder. It was good. It genuinely was. It's a good premise. It's a parody show. Yeah. People don't know that. Got canceled. Why, must, why <laughs> are we talking about? It? Um, it's not pop culture anymore. <laughs> also, uh, me and Ernest have been watching uh, season two of Dirk a little bit. We started to gently yeah Dirk gently. Dirk gently oh my god the show is Abs- ridiculous still bananas it's it somehow Doesn't slow down. it somehow took the premise from season one of a detective investigating a time traveler shape-shifting uh it's secret society yeah it's thing. it's bananas yeah and made it even more ridiculous and even more fun and like hilarious yeah like, also richard schiff is in both of these shows in dirk and west wing who uh he plays toby ziegler in west dick wing. schiff yeah dick schiff <laughs> my boy <laughs> i mean i like dirk it's it's a fun show it's, it's really entertaining unbashedly max landis so you can take it or leave it so but it's extra yeah yeah very <laughs> it's but extra. it's it's just enjoyable, like how crazy it goes and how it can tie, tie back. Together, yeah, yeah how it can impressive. tie back into itself without like, makes it worth it without feeling cheap or yeah. unearned. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good show. It's it's enjoyable if you if you're into just like wacky, crazy TV. That's just a good time and doesn't take itself too yeah. seriously. It's it's good. Mm. Where have you guys been watching West Wing and Dirk? West Wh- Wing's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dirk, we've been. Casting. It's on USA yeah. Network. Or no 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 sorry welcome no 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 it's not on USA it's on no. BBC yeah, America it's on BBC. that's an so, entirely yeah. different country <laughs> they're both red icons they're both countries yeah USA <laughs> BBC <laughs> it's about as far away as it gets <laughs> lastly lastly though uh, last night and earlier tonight um, we watched uh, she's got to have it oh yeah a Spike Lee joint a Spike Lee joint which I took with a grain of salt but I'm really digging well it. okay I, I want to pre- preface this real quick so 
since we got that sound bar, I really wanted to test it out with something good. And I was like, okay, let's let's see. Let's see. What can I put on? What can I put on? And I fired up Hulu, which the Hulu like intro sound effect was incredible. <laughs> Unreal. On the I was like, it's like THX. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, there's a new Marvel show. It's the first ever Marvel show on Hulu. It's called Runaways. Okay. <laughs> let me give this a shot. Yikes. Yeah. Guys, There's a reason we're not talking about that today, right? Hard pass. We turned this thing off after the first maybe 10 minutes. I don't think we even made it 10 minutes. Yeah, I think because it was Because it was horrendous, <laughs> hot, hot garbage. garbage. What is this? I've never even heard of this show. Okay, well, it, it looks like a comic book, so at least they got the look <laughs> to go right from the page. Congrats. But the, uh, the dialogue... Every line, they try to cram as much exposition as possible into Ugh. every single line of dialogue. And it, it all comes across like so, so cringy. Yeah, and the s- first three minutes are the most like heavy-handed, spoon-fed. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's unreal. Like, it's like how can we tell as much exposition as possible before we get to all the superhero stuff? Like we know they're going to run away because the fucking show is called Runaways. We know their parents are probably going to be evil well, because I, that's I, I still think every superhero. I think their siblings ran away. They don't run away because the whole time they're talking about people that aren't in the fam anymore or whatever. Oh, well, yeah. I don't... It's something, don't some know. weird shit. I, Either way, it wasn't worth figuring it out. I oh, just, but did the sound bar magnify it and make sound it better? Because like, I'll tell fantastic. you what, a Blu-ray would have fucking made that show better. <laughs> I heard the sound bar Whoa. actually makes the dialogue a lot worse. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it amplified the, the dialogue, every line of dialogue, and I was like, wow, this is horrible. So yeah, so we went we to Netflix. We returned the, sand, the sound bar. It's, it's gone. <laughs> we went to Netflix and put on She's Gotta Have It, which is a remake of Spike Lee's film of the same name from the 80s. Yeah, 88. It, I think it's his first film. Um, and it sort of tells the same story, captures the same vibe, but it updates it to our current era. And this is a very interesting show. It's wholly original. With I mean, he it, it's based it's based on a, on a previous film. It's a remake, but because it's Spike Lee remaking his own thing, there's this like new sense of like vitality to it that feels yeah. like so fresh and cool. And, and it it. It so easily could have been like really corny, like so corny, but he hit the mark. Yeah, the the dialogue is very theatrical. The performances oh, yeah. are very performative. Yeah, and it's it's talking about Brooklyn, like it's it's, it's all a, about. It's like a neighborhood in Brooklyn, yeah. Fort Greene. Yeah, it, it's and it follows this one black girl, and like, you know, it, it's 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 an updated version of the movie, pretty much. She's you know? like sleeping with three guys, and she's just trying to do her own thing like she doesn't want anyone telling her what to do yeah and she starts putting up these posters around the neighborhood uh that say my name isn't ayoma ayoma like yeah because okay the the first episode opens with a montage of cat callers Mm. cat calling straight into the camera yeah and you're watching this you're like what the fuck is this what am i watching and then the first like 10 minutes of the of the show are straight like Right, looking into the camera from like everybody. Yeah, from, yeah. Like it has, a straight it, it has some people. really cool shots. In yeah, it. like really, just stuff you don't see in. One of my shows. favorite things about the show that's pretty interesting. Um, after, like every time they play a song in the scene 
right after the scene, it shows a, a, a quick shot of the cover of the album. Yeah, the for like a from. split second. Yeah. It's really cool because you're listening to the song in, the, in yeah. the scene. It plays throughout the entire scene and you're thinking like, whoa, this is a cool song. And then yeah. it shows you what it is. Yeah, it has yeah. a lot of like interesting choices like that, I would say. And, like, yeah. I've only seen, I would never have expected yeah, to I've see I've only seen the like one, that. the second episode of it, but it had, the, like they're talking about Michelle Obama and it just switches to like a quick slideshow of Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Really funny. Or like she'll show an, another character on the show something on her phone, and it'll it'll just show a quick pic of what she's showing the person. On yeah, the phone. it's just it's cool stylistic choices. Yeah, it's very stylistic. Sounds like very Spike. Yeah, it yeah. is very Spike. It, it makes me want to rewatch Do the Right Thing, which I haven't seen in a while. And what what's what, I mean? Spike Lee has made so many movies. But uh, pretty uneducated when it comes to Spike Lee. I've only seen like one or two oh, of his films. Actually, he made Malcolm X with yeah. Uh, yeah. Denzel Washington, yeah. and he actually there is a scene in the first episode devoted because Spike Lee like wrote and directed the first episode. So he essentially wrote this scene where he calls out the Academy for not giving the Oscar to Denzel. Really? For Malcolm that's awesome. X. <laughs> Malcolm X is a great movie. Yeah, and that's, then, a, that's an awesome movie. And then he's like, well, they gave it to him for training day. So <laughs> I guess. Great movie. Training day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, she's. Did Spike Lee directed Old Boy? Oh, the remake. The yeah. Re- which yeah. I never saw. Yeah. I heard uh, it was trash. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Starring the, Josh yeah. Brolin. Quick break. Uh, yeah. So that's, she's got to have it on Netflix. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking more movies that we've been watching with our movie pass. Be right back. Corset headrest. <laughs> That's the name of my new band. I hope it doesn't sound like another band. It doesn't. So, Hunter, what were you wearing just now that you removed? Um, I was wearing a corset. A corset. No, I meant to say it. I meant to say it. It was a girdle that I have for my lower, my lumbar pain. I have lots of lumbar pain. Do you guys have lumbar pain? I have waist training. I have, I have plenty. Okay, so I was wearing a girdle to help support my lumbar. It's got these heating pads in it that uh, they uh, they 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 massage and they they exfoliate all my muscles. They go underneath your sexy your skin yeah. into your muscle well, okay they have these tiny bugs in them and they just like crawl into your skin and then they they like go inside of your body and they they stretch out those muscles they pull them apart and i've actually gained i don't know if y'all noticed i've gained a quarter inch since we started recording the podcast hunter have you gained a quarter inch oh i didn't <laughs> see, i didn't hear what you yeah, said there we okay. go yeah look at that yeah that's what i thought and we're back and they only cost five thousand dollars a girdle wow Cool. Well, we're back on the pod. Um, ep 15 of a uh, uh, We Bought a Mic podcast, pop pop culture. <laughs> Are you sure this is We Bought a Mic? You, you hesitate a little bit. 
Where am I? <laughs> what year is it? Ernie, your pupils are dilated. <gasps> this oh. is a week later since we recorded the first part of okay. this. I think so, one of the girdle bugs is getting in my skin. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm actually you, curious as to which one of us bug. saw three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Okay, so... Two of the four of us. <laughs> um, thanks to MoviePass, I can afford to just go to the movies mm-hmm. whenever I one and catch and, any old flick and at we the can old... afford to see shit that's not just like major blockbusters like Justice League yeah. and Infinity War so there is a film in uh, I guess wide release like yeah no it has a wide release yeah it's 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 in a lot of theaters with arguably the worst movie title of the year it's up there with um it comes at night yeah so the the title <laughs> of this movie I had Good to movie, bad Bad title. I had to okay. read it over and over to memorize it <laughs> and make sure that I had it right so that I could say I it. Still, I have it pulled up because I still don't know. If the I'm name of this right. film is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. It is written and directed by Martin McDonough, who has previously made In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. In Bruges is a great movie. Mm-hmm. I love In Bruges. So this film is starring Frances McDormand in probably a oscar worthy role i think she should win it yeah i definitely get nominated i she'll definitely get nominated i'd say that this is probably the best performance especially by a female that i've seen in a movie this year um also woody harrelson well i think it'll be between her and saoirse ronan from lady bird that those are the two front runners i think but Frances mcdormand plays a woman who is dealing with the murder of her daughter in this small town in Missouri, it goes by the name of Ebbing. Ebbing, and there happen to be three billboards outside of the said town. What the fuck? And, and these billboards are like does, outside of her home. Yeah, what and, she does with these billboards is what our story is centered around, and we basically interact with all the weird and strange characters in this town that deal with the action that she takes in lieu of this horrible tragedy that has befallen her. Uh, and you have Woody Harrison playing the sheriff of the town mm-hmm. and Sam Rockwell playing one of his idiot deputies. And I have to say, I never really thought of Sam Rockwell as uh, even a like a good actor before this movie, but he is incredible in this movie. Like one of the best supporting acting roles I've seen in a movie this year. He has... A really awesome arc. I don't really want to talk about any kind of specifics. Just I really recommend this. This film. is a journey. I, I really it, this movie is it. a journey. I don't think it's a perfect film. Um, I was really not a huge fan of the ending, um, but overall, the performances across the board are amazing. It has some incredible dark comedy. Like overall, I wouldn't say it's a comedic movie. It's very dramatic, but there's comedy at some moments where it's really dark and you're like I don't know if I should be laughing at this yeah. right now but I am laughing well if, if you've seen in Bruges um, mm-hmm. and or seven psychopaths you know that Mount McDonough likes to mix very over-the-top violence with very dark dark humor you could almost call it Tarantino s but it is I it is say, Tarantino I will say this film and in Bruges does a better job of mixing those two things than Tarantino has done in many years. I mean, I think Django Unchained is a great movie, but even before that, I don't think that he's had a great movie in mm. many years. And I think that 
Martin McDonough has kind of shown that he could be that next guy to have that kind of Tarantino-esque-ness to him where he's mixing this violence and very dark situations while also having this really strange comic relief that almost yeah. catches you off guard. Yeah. The thing, the difference between like a Tarantino and then in Bruges is that Tarantino is the extreme of both ends where it's the most brutal, gory thing you've ever seen. And then sitcom dialogue. Um, yeah. In, in Bruges, it falls somewhere in between where it is gory, but not entirely. And it is comedic dialogue, but it's not like a Seinfeld, you know? Well, in, in Bruges has moments of very, very intense violence. Like mm-hmm. really, really violent shit goes down in that movie. In this one, there's maybe two or three scenes where that happens the 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 violence isn't really that over the top it's really more of like the drama mm-hmm. that has befallen this this woman and and you know her life and the way she's she's coping with it and her performance is so calculated yeah. it's just the small details in her face where she's just like cold 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 she's lost her daughter and she yeah did. yeah well all this this movie entirely takes place months after her daughter has been murdered yeah so like that's why you don't actually see the events of this happening but it's really crazy just watching and i will say another thing about uh mark mcdonough's writing in this movie i've never seen in bruges so i can't speak specifically of that but it's very naturalistic whereas tarantino overwrites a lot of stuff mm. and he makes his characters uh, like just sound like they're fucking geniuses and like it sounds like he's it comes across like he's like just fucking jerking himself off while he's writing his scripts mm. just like oh this is so perfect oh my god look at the hateful eight for example but i think that this is very naturalistic in the way that the townspeople act towards francis mcdonough's character and even the way her own family reacts towards her and her relationship with the police department and everything else. I think this is a very timely movie because this it does is. play play. This and I didn't place, expect that. You don't expect it, but it does take place in a small town in the South. So there are race relations and yeah. things like that that are taking place in this police department that you aren't necessarily prepared for going into it, but it's, and it's never like directly uh, it's never like a direct connection or anything like that this isn't a movie like Detroit or something like that where it's directly about race relations but there are those ties in there that make it extremely timely I think that this is a movie that's going to get a good bit of Oscar buzz especially from Francis McDonough or screenplay Francis perhaps yeah and I think that Martin McDonough could uh, mm. and going, a, going at least be nominated for going back to the humor I think that the way the film handles the humor is uh, it it just feels right because the there's some shit that happens in this movie that is like absolutely harrowing, like some fucked up shit that will have you gasping. Like I was shocked at some of the turns that this film takes, and then it fits in the humor directly with the situation in a way that doesn't feel. Uh, it's not in bad taste, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the way that these characters approach these very dark, dark situations. It, it it really makes you think that like you know in real life when something tragic happens to you sometimes you kind of have to find the humor in it to cope mm. with it but that doesn't really apply to Frances McDormand's character as much because she can't really do that she's the one character that is still trying to fight and is still trying to 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 be the the one holding on to this tragedy and and, and to be the one the 
the living reminder of of this horrible thing mm-hmm. that happened and the way she plays it and and the small details in her performance where she struggles with not just the the fierceness of this mother trying to bring justice to her dead daughter but also the the sadness the deep deep sadness of losing of losing this of child losing child yeah is unbelievable such such a wonderful performance such so, a great also also i mean peter dinklage is in this movie as he's a really great side character yeah, he, he has doesn't a really have good, a lot but he, he has, has a great scene his scenes he only has a few a handful of scenes in the movies but oh, so he kind of steals the scenes whenever he's just he's like in them. he's a little character in it or? oh boy oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. also let's well. give a shout out to caleb landry jones who is probably going to be the most underrated guy who won 2017 i'm just gonna run through the movies he's been through this year of course get out he played the, the, racist, the brother the racist brother um florida project florida project in like one scene in Florida. yeah project. he just played just a little side yeah. character in florida project twin peaks he plays stephen burnett who's only in a few episodes but he's really good at playing kind of the newer despicable type of character in twin peaks Three billboards. He's also an American Made, which uh, I don't know about. Oh, that the movie. Tom Cruise vehicle. Yeah, but still, like, that's a lot of movies yeah. to be in for 2017. Also, shout like, out to um, what's his face? I totally lost his name. The guy from Lady Bird. Um, let me find him. Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Yeah, Lucas Hedges, who was in Manchester by the yeah. Sea this year. Or I, Manchester by the Sea last year. I really liked him in Lady Bird more than in this one, but at he least, had more to at do least he's that. getting good work. Um, so would you say this is better than in Bruges? Um, because in, I in I Bruges, think so. Yes, I, I liked it, but it honestly almost disappointed me a little because in Bruges is one of the like OG uh, Reddit darlings. Like I got like in high school, I saw everyone I read was talking about it, and so I watched it. and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Um. The other movie that was a Reddit darling long ago was Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, which disappointed me severely. Have you guys seen it's, that? It's a yeah. fine movie. It's that nothing disapp- like oh fantastic. I don't know why that was like a Reddit that, darling. That bo- People still talk about it, and it bothered the shit out of me, that movie. Because it's just like, the premise is okay with these these guys, like horror movie shits happening. They're like, what? Oh, But it's just nothing develops. Cabin in the Woods is way better if you want yeah. something. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Well, go, going back to Three Billboards, I really recommend this film. I think this is one of the best films of the year. Definitely top 10 material. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You give it a, a very strong eight, I would give it. Um, but there's a film that I think is top five material of the mm-hmm. year. Wow. I like where this is going. And that is. The Big Sick, mm-hmm. the new Michael Showalter yes. film, which is now on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I, which, I saw this movie today, actually. Which, do not discuss this movie in heavy details because I plan on seeing it, like, <laughs> yeah. tonight or tomorrow. So yeah, Hunter yeah, got I the have, blue. I have the Blu-ray, as you listened to earlier, but I haven't had a chance to <laughs> so, actually watch it yet. So, yes, this, this movie is produced by Judd Apatow. It's written and starring Kumail Nanjiani. Who is a comic who's been on the on the radar for a long time with bit parts and like things like Portlandia? Yeah, but now he has a, a, a major role in Silicon Valley on yeah, HBO. Yeah, and obviously Silicon Valley, um, and he's been a, a really great stand-up for a long time. He came out of Chicago originally, along with Pete Holmes and T.J. Miller. He's he's of that same era of of uh, comedians. So this movie is autobiographical, produced by Apatow. It's directed by Showalter, but it has a very Apatow feel, and it's about this love story that really happened with his current wife, uh, Emily, 
Um, Emily V. Yeah, essentially they dated for a while and they ended up breaking up. Um, and it had kind of to do with the fact that Kumail is uh, Pakistani and his family was pressuring him to do an arranged marriage with a Pakistani Muslim woman. And he, you know, he ended up falling in love with this this white woman, and they refused to acknowledge it. Like they essentially wanted to disown him because yeah. of it. I mean, that's what you do in that culture. Yeah, and so he uh, ended up breaking up with Emily because she didn't, you know, she didn't want to be a part of that. But then, and this is a spoiler if you don't know anything about his story, but she, Emily, ends up falling into a medically induced coma. So most of this movie takes place with Emily, the woman in this love story. Spoilers for the title of the film. Yeah, yeah. In in a coma. Um, so it's a really, it's a fun, like it's an interesting take on a love story. And it's also what actually happened in real life to Kumail. I knew the entire story already because he has talked about it at length on multiple podcasts. Like um, Pete Holmes's You Made It Weird. He's talked about it before. Um, I also wanted to mention Pete Holmes because because this is a Apatow direct or not directed but produced comedy and it's about an up and coming comic playing himself but with the time frame coming kind of fucked up it is so similar at times to crashing the show mm-hmm. on it's HBO. so much better than crashing oh it's definitely better because it has a more interesting story to tell and it's more heartfelt the the meat of the story is better but the scenes with the comedians for example are identical to crashing oh the bo burnham stuff yeah like i'd love that bo burnham and ad bryant and kurt brownoler play uh you know his comedian friends those scenes stylistically are identical to crashing because it has the apatowian like improvisational feel and it's true to life it's about up and coming comics question since since it is also an apatow joint did you think it was like about 30 45 minutes too long no this that's where it It didn't have funny people syndrome to it no that's where the similarities end it's not that long of a movie and it fills up it's only two hours yeah and it fills up the time very well um, and like I said, the story is better than what Crashing has to say because Crashing is an interesting thing. It's about him, you know, getting a divorce. This is a this is a pretty crazy story, and it actually happened. And Kumail wrote the movie, so it's injected with a lot of like true to life heart. Like he put a lot of and, uh, honestly, effort into it. His performance is unbelievably good. Oh yeah, I was so shocked at some of the. It, acting that came out yeah. of this this man the, like the, wow the entire ensemble it's an incredibly impressive acting performance eliza skinner plays emily and then you have ray romano uh as her dad yeah playing her dad and okay he has a really good scene yeah it's it's uh, overall he's pretty good he's doing his thing but there is one scene where he shines oh he's doing the best acting he's probably he's ever a, done yeah, in his he's life a really he's a good dramatic actor um and so a lot of this story is taking place while she's in the coma and he's bonding with her parents, which is just a really interesting concept because he's her ex-boyfriend. And this is, again, this fucking happened. Um, so it's just, it's really cool to watch. Uh, Kumail, like you said, great performance, great script also. He wrote this and it's a really, yeah. really solid script. Really good jokes. Of, like, Yeah, it's a fun script. There's, I, there's nothing really that I can criticize about this film. I mean, I don't want to go into spoilers until you see it, Hunter, but I really can't think of anything that I didn't like. And it's shot beautifully. Mm -hmm. Maybe knowing that it's a, it's a true story. There are certain things that 
were obviously probably exaggerated for oh, making for ab- a better story. Absolutely. For example, but, uh, Kumail's family in the movie lives in America. They actually still live in Pakistan. Yeah. So you know stuff like that. But we we can discuss it more once you see it, Hunter. But the Big Sick is on Amazon Prime. See it. It's one of the best films of the year. I actually have it on number four of my list for wow. of the year yeah. right now it's it's a really good movie it's uh, you know it's it's laugh out loud and it's also really like it gets you yeah. in the emotions and it, you know we've been we've been talking a lot on the pod recently about movies that are able to mix comedy with uh drama mm-hmm. really well and the way this film does it i really appreciate it because it weaves in and out in the same scene between the comedy and the drama seamlessly it's not like you have a a, a dramatic scene and then a, a comedic scene that that are are joined well it's yeah. like within the same like lines of dialogue you have jokes and drama and you're crying and you're laughing and yeah it's it's very cathartic oh yeah also i mean also um holly hunter plays ray romano's wife yeah and um, really good work yeah great performance by her it's just a great ensemble performance and the story I don't know. It's it's just it's a godsend that this happened to him in the end of the day because this is a crazy story. The dynamics that it creates between these characters is just something that's new to American television. Just the concept of a you know a very Muslim family trying to set up an arranged marriage with yeah. you know an American boy and he doesn't want to do it. That's something that happens to a lot of immigrant families and it's not really portrayed very often. And on the surface, this is a romantic comedy, but mm-hmm. calling it that is almost a disservice because it's so much more than that yeah it's such a touching film that also speaks volumes about the the expectations we put on ourselves in terms of like romance and and what movies tell us romance should be yeah and what cultures Um, tell us romance should be and society it it is very like you said it is also very well directed michael showalter if you don't know is cooper on wet hot american summer Mm. he's you know original member of the state he had a play and he kind of co-directed that even though he didn't get credit um but he yeah he did a great job with this. He's been trying to take a more dramatic turn with his directing, and this is a really good. I think it's a great film. I hope he gets some some uh, yeah Oscar it's love a good or movie. something. If, Maybe it, Golden Globes. Yeah, seems like it, it might be. A in good terms of Golden Oscars, Globes. I would just be happy if it got a screenplay nom. If mm. Kumail got that screenplay nom, I'd I'd, I'd be uh, that'd be wild. I don't I I don't think it's gonna happen, but that'd be cool if yeah. it did. How did it do box office wise? It did all right. Did it, it solid actually, for a yeah, comedy? I think okay. it wasn't a failure. No. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's hopeful. Yeah. So you can catch that on Amazon Prime right now. It is an Amazon original film, and I'm sure they're going to be making an awards push or for you it. you could buy that Blu-ray like I did. But there's another film <laughs> that I... See, my, my top 10 list has been shaken the past couple of weeks between... I know. Your, your two through four are all things from like the last two yeah, weeks. <laughs> like Baby Driver used to be number four. It is now number 13. Like, I've seen a lot of things. And there's a film that I was able to see with my family during the holiday. And that is the new Pixar film, Coco. Mm. Which I'm also seeing uh, Friday. Yeah, this one, if you spoil anything, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm not going to spoil anything. (laughs) Guess what? It's animated. No! I I want to I want to be brief uh, before I talk. We talk about the next thing. But I loved this movie so much 
I'm biased because I am Hispanic and this is an all Hispanic cast. Mm. It's set in Mexico. It's about Mexican heritage. Spoilers, it's about the Day of the Dead, El Dia de los Muertos. And this movie, not only is it, is it about Hispanic heritage and like about Hispanic culture, but it's also about music and musicians and about the importance of music balanced with the importance of family mm. and whether or not you should have to choose one or the two. I feel like you might be able to relate a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the opening moments of this film, I was already choking up trying to hold back the tears. <laughs> nice. And by the end, I... Guys, I was sobbing in this movie. I got, I'm gonna admit it, like, I was ugly crying. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a very ugly face that yeah, Harris just made. By, by the end of this movie, I had to be like, dude, get a fucking hold of yourself. Like, you're in public. What the fuck are you doing? I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was bad, but it, it got to me, man. Like, not only is this a very touching story that, goes places that you don't expect i mean we we've come to expect a lot from pixar they've mm. really wowed us time after time but they haven't delivered a truly excellent magnificent film in a while probably since toy story 3 and this is from the same directors toy story 3 and this film has gotten some hate from people saying that it has sort of appropriated mexican culture mm. just to sell merchandise and to, and to move toys and all that and that it may be a ripoff of the book of life but Whoa. actually yeah you, what yeah the, the parents malik joint no no the, no, 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 no that's the that's tree, the tree of life. Life. <laughs> okay i was like what thank the, god the, the book of life <laughs> nobody should ever rip off the tree of life <laughs> the book yeah. of life is an animated yeah. film produced by Guillermo yeah, del toro yeah. that came out a couple years yeah ago. yeah i remember that that's what i was thinking when i yeah. saw the trailer for coco but they were developing coco the whole time that they made and mm. released the book of life i mean it's a you know it's not like the it's an idea that I could see multiple people coming and, across. Yeah, yeah, but they spent way more time on Coco because what happened with Coco is they had an idea for it that they ended up scrapping because they only had white people working on it. So they were like, this this doesn't feel right. So they actually hired wow. a Mexican guy to come on and, and take on like an oh, pretty much co-director role. Yeah, he literally right. got co-director credit. Yeah, well, yeah. I speaking to that, I remember hearing about Coco like a few years ago as being like, I don't think it was called Coco at the time. It was just called was, Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was a scrap Disney product, and then whenever they brought it back, that's why up until the reviews came out for this movie, I really thought that this was just going to be one of those years that Pixar kind of phoned it in, because we've had like those years. the good years. dinosaur. Yeah, the good dinosaur years, yeah. where it's just like, alright, we're just not going to get a good Pixar. Finding Dory, like, it's like... I still never even saw that. <laughs> it's You're fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, another no, but like it's I just I had no expectations for this movie whatsoever. And I'm really I'm I'm really happy to hear great things about Coco. Like that makes me really excited yeah, for it. I just I really think I'm I'm biased because of my yeah, background no, I mean, and, I'm sure. and, my, <laughs> and my interest with music. And dude, like there is a shot where you see a close up of the main kid playing the guitar. You see a close up of his fingers on the neck of the guitar. I. I was in awe of just that, of like the precision of the animation That's awesome. of his fingers playing the notes. I couldn't believe it. I absolutely could not believe it. Like so this where movie, would, where would you rank it? Uh, maybe not personally, but like as objectively as possible among Pixar films. 
I'd say it's one of their best. True. Not only is it is it beautifully animated, like this afterlife world is so beautifully realized, but the story was so much deeper than I expected. I I really thought I really went into this thinking this is going to be a kids movie. This mm-hmm. is going to be nothing at all. Like it's be also not to get too sidetracked, but there was a um Olaf adventure frozen short. Yeah, that I've heard about that. And I heard movie. it's I heard it's bad. It was like twenty five minutes long. Oh what? God, what? Like you know how Pixar movies usually have like a little uh, short before yeah. them that's like maybe five or ten minutes? That's too fucking long. It was fucking twenty five minutes of Olaf. <laughs> how Tro- long is Coco? Oh my god. It was like a, a little less than two Coco hours. Coco is ten minutes. <laughs> Coco is a uh, hundred and nine minutes, so it's like a little over an hour and a half. It's fine. I just googled Coco, and the first thing was top stories was here's why that Olaf short film doesn't work as a lead in to Coco. Okay, maybe if you saw that Olaf short on LSD or mushrooms, <laughs> it would be the greatest thing in the world. So I'll go tripping to Coco. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I really recommend this movie. Maybe just show up a little late so you miss the Olaf short. Oh, Hunter can do that, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Oh, Grant's got jokes, guys. That's Coco. Oh, one other thing <laughs> w- I wanted to mention is I finally got a chance to finish uh, Stranger Things 2 last night after weeks of just like slowly watching ep- episode after episode. And I got to say, it's probably on the same level as the first season. Would you say it's better or worse? Okay. I'd say the plot is worse, but the acting is exponentially better. The kids okay. are so fucking good. They're so good. It's just that they introduce these new characters that don't really have much to do, and they give them these weird plot lines. Yeah, that... I don't like the uh, uh, the girl that they introduced I, so yeah. far. I, I mean, great. Also, I'm only about halfway through. I think I'm on episode six. Yeah, so just, I'm a little bit over halfway. I don't think this. We've talked about this show before and how it's been like over. Um, what's the word? Like overrated in hyped. terms of overhyped. Yeah. yeah, it's it's good, but it's not great. And I just think that the best thing it has going for it is these kids. Like their performances are unbelievable. And uh, and Hopper. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hopper's see, Hopper's great. Yeah, he's great. And the the one thing I kept thinking as I was watching the final episode is like, this is a TV show. Mm. This isn't a movie. You know, it doesn't have the giant budget that some movies do, and it's it's really swinging for the fences with some of these effects heavy sequences. Mm. And you know, more power to them for them trying to to really push the the boundaries of this sci-fi world with the whole upside down thing. I would have really preferred it much like the watch guys have talked about this if they would have focused more on the uh, on the relationships with the characters and not as much yeah. the whole like sci-fi upside yeah, down. Yeah, because shit. we don't need like explanation of that whole and world and all that stuff. Also, as they said on that podcast, season 2 the it's the same villain. The villain is still the suits. You know, it's still the the yeah. It's the upside the down faceless name. Well, and the the faceless nameless like Fed guys yeah. who created the upside down. It should have been. They didn't been do anything Will. interesting. Yeah, 
Like they said, yeah, Will as a villain would have been crazy that if he got been, fucking possessed. That and, they, awesome. and they really they hint at it so hard they and do. they just yeah. don't commit I to it. I think it's like episode four or something like that. It's one of the earlier episodes in the show where Will like gets almost like taken over by this thing and he just starts like sp- like spazzedly yeah, writing yeah. these like all these like notes and pages and everything. And they, like, they continue that thread, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, which right. he, well, he just comes right. back and he's like, help me. Yeah. But it's like, what if he just went like, like his eyes just went yeah. black. Yeah. And what he if just... he's like murdered people? Yeah. Like, that would be crazy. It'd be more experimental. It'd be more interesting. That's yeah. for sure. It's, it was just but, a little, but it's a safe show. Well, yeah. End it's of the day, they're not, show. they're not trying to be experimental. And it's they're trying, trying to, to do things that have been done. Yeah. It's trying to appeal yep. as wide of an audience as possible. Give you those member berries. Exactly. It got to the point where, where uh, Lee and I were watching and we're like, okay, what is this scene going to reference? Yeah. What is this visual about mm. to reference? I know, like, like we're trying to predict like the, the 80s thing that the, it's trying to emulate. The whole thing with the the small Demi Gorgon, like the little mini one, I was like, oh yeah. God, this is so Gremlins. Yeah. Like it's literally just straight up Gremlins right now. Yeah. It's, it was, I, honestly, I genuinely wonder post Stranger Things if the Duffer Brothers have any actual ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll just continue, just like recreating, just yeah, pish posh. Like I, I, I wonder because this is like money wise, this is a fucking smash. And yeah. post Stranger Things, they're gonna be allowed to do whatever they want to do. Like studios are gonna give them a green light. Well, they're gonna make the show for a while. They're they'll do four or five seasons for sure. I mean, yeah, they'll milk it. That's yeah. for sure. But I, I just wonder afterward if they're going to be able to cash the check that Stranger Things wrote. Then they'll try know? and cash in on that 90s nostalgia. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Really then we'll get early 2000s nostalgia. All right. You guys uh, have anything else to talk about on the pod? Y'all uh, have anything? What, what, what time are we at? I know you don't give a shit about Stranger Things. Can we just... Grant. Can you yeah, keep about no. 30 minutes of like silence in the podcast? Yeah, let's... let's right. Wait, I've got something good. Earlier, okay. Drew said Ray Romano, and that reminded me of my Deborah. favorite... My favorite clip that I have of Drew. I'm just going to play it for mm. us on repeat. Clip of bit. Drew? Yeah. Yeah, I, it, courtesy of me. Thanks, Grant. You know what the best part of that is? No context. Is that in the background you can hear "Nothing on You" by B.O.B. Yeah, featuring it's, Bruno Mars. It's honestly Kermit the Frog. Doing it's a beautiful Romano. clip. Well, because what it's I'm talking close up of Drew's face. I'm not actually talking about Kermit. No, the Rock. he is fucking Ray Romano. He is. <laughs> I'm talking about a video of this comic doing an impression of Schwarzenegger doing an impression of Kermit the Frog doing an impression of Ray Romano. But that's less exciting. Now, I pr- why did you do that, Drew? Like, I <laughs> Kermit the Frog just because it's it it's a funny Romano. thing to look up on YouTube. It's just this guy going like, do that, do that one more time, and it makes sense. Did you desire that oh. and look it up, or did you stumble oh, right. across it? Yeah, I was like, I bet someone's done that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's close it up here. Some we, plugs. Let's. Uh, plugs? Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 close plug. it up. Close let's it. Close up this. the the pod with some plugs. This this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor. 
Anubis bumping into everything he can get his fucking destroying the house while we're not paying attention to him. I think that sponsors are supposed to give you money, not take away our yeah. money by chewing up things. We that, sponsor you know, Anubis. Every time we record an episode of this podcast, Anubis finds a new toy to completely decimate. Mm. This podcast is also brought to you by um fuck the Colin Snyder podcast like Snyder Colin like fucking delete that shit off your feed okay like that shit is hot fucking garbage those kids are trash they they like touch tots like don't, don't listen to them don't support them don't buy their merchandise they're selling stickers right now yeah. don't buy them don't put it on your car I did hear that they touch tots <laughs> Like tater tots, like they touch, they just they don't buy any tater tots. They just come up mm. and they touch your tots and they run away. Yeah, they're like Napoleon Dynamite in that respect. <laughs> well, where can people follow you on the internet, Hunter? Um, follow me on Twitter. You know, actually, I was traveling this past weekend and I didn't have much cell service. But while I was traveling in the car, I got on Twitter. Uh oh. So I uh, I got in a I got in a Twitter battle with Snyder. Did mm. you did you tweet our president? Um, yeah, I tweeted at him. He tweeted me back and he was like, keep going on the pod. Big fan. Big. 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 Big huge league. fan. Huge. Biggest fan. I Hillary saw, doesn't even know your yeah. podcast. I actually did see a BuzzFeed article called Hunter Mobley clapped back at Donald Trump and it was everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Hunt Mobley. Just fucking follow me. Or 17. Don't, I don't give a shit. Send us your fan mail or your hate mail. At WeBoughtAMike at gmail.com. Mm. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram. Or, yeah, you like on Facebook and you follow on Instagram. Yeah. Mm. We bought a mic. Yeah. Also, at Calderness on Instagram and Twitter. That's yeah. me. I'm at Drew Dietzen on Twitter. Um, Instagram, you know, do it or don't. I'm not going to post on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we Grant. Should... Thanks, for, uh, thanks for sitting there and listening to our thoughts. <laughs> Yep. Thanks for occasionally chiming in. Every You're like week. our engineer. You just like sit there. Engineer Grant. Yeah, engineer Grant. I got to teach you the dials I, on the mixer. I can live we, here. I just live here. Grant's There's on the a wall. mic in front of my face can and I just we, live here. Can we make an Instagram picture of the pile of uh, Miller Light cans, that this mm. tower that we're building? It makes we, us yeah. look cool that we drink I, five we Miller drink Lights. We drink shit beer. <laughs> Where can people follow you on the interwebs, oh, Grant? Oh, uh... Flora Main, F L O R A Main. How do you spell on what? On oh God! Oh, that was the sound of the Tower of Beers falling. The sure, Tower yeah. of Beers fell on the table, and it was win. <laughs> <laughs> Says Buzzfeed. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Instagram, right? Yeah, that's how you preface. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for sticking around, guys. See you next week. I thought the Disaster Artist was coming out next week, but you're gonna have to wait another week for that mm -hmm. one. So it's we'll just keep talking about. Some uh, bullshit. Next time we watch the last thirty seconds of the Punisher. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch Justice League seven more times and give you what my take is. Yeah, Hunter. Before you got here, we watched the first ten seconds of, or the first ten minutes of the last episode of the Punisher. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Drew was like, "Please turn this off, <laughs> or I'm not recording the pod." So I had no choice. Yeah, it was an ultimatum. Oh, man. Yeah, this. It, so it, it was great. Right, right? before the cold open. Uh, it li there was literally a, a shot of a bad guy walking away from an explosion that yeah. he set <laughs> oh off. Oh my god! Yeah. Cut did, to the opening. He didn't, he didn't look, look at, at the explosion. No, 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 okay, no, good. What? no. Oh my god! Because he's a cool guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's he's a cool bad Great Lonely guy. Island. You got, song. you got Lonely Island pulled up on there or what? Cool guys <sighs> no. don't look We're at explosions. Gonna... Oh.
Bye. Oh, here we go. I freaking love Tricol Quest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love appropriation. Caroline! Caroline!